Welcome to EndoSummit Live, the podcast. If you have endometriosis, treat endometriosis, or love and support someone with endometriosis, then this is the place to be. The following season stems from our wildly popular live webinar series. The series sits in full on YouTube. While the tech may be rough in this podcast, the education will surely change the narrative for endometriosis. Please welcome our co-host, Dr. Andrea Vidali, an endometriosis surgeon and reproductive immunologist, and Dr. Sally Sorrell, a pelvic physical therapist and person with endometriosis. On this episode of Endometriosis Summit, the podcast, please welcome Dr. Amy Stein, a pelvic physical therapist and owner of Beyond Basics in New York City. Dr. Amy Stein is a pioneer in pelvic health, authoring the book Beating Endo and Heal Pelvic Pain. She is a former president of the International Pelvic Pain Society and a big friend to the Endometriosis Summit. Please join Amy Stein as she explains how vulvodynia, endometriosis, and pelvic physical therapy are all connected and how to get you on your way to healing today. Take it away, Amy. Hi, I'm Amy Stein, and I want to thank Sally and the Endo Summit for having me to present to you about vulvodynia and endometriosis and how PT can help both disorders. So just a little bit about me. I'm the owner and founder of Beyond Basics Physical Therapy in New York City. I recently started a CBD line called Wellness by Nature that can help with self-care and um, products for helping any pain and inflammation. I'm still a big part of the International Pelvic Pain Society on their past president's committee, their fundraising committee, and their program committee. I'm author of Beating Endo, Heal Pelvic Pain, and the video Healing Pelvic and Abdominal Pain. And I've authored many medical textbook chapters and an editor of a textbook, as well as multiple media channels. So thank you again, Sally, for having me in the Endo Summit. Just a little bit about vulvodynia and pelvic floor dysfunction. So up to 43% of all women at some point in their lifetime suffer from dyspareunia, which is pain upon penetration. Up to 72, $72 billion is spent on vulvodynia alone per year. I think the amount is higher for endo, but still it's just a crazy amount that's being spent with the next statistic talks about how many doctors are consulted before the patient actually gets a proper diagnosis. So 60% of women consult about three doctors or more, and 40% of those seeking treatment for vulvodynia fail to still get a proper diagnosis. In that same study, it showed that 16% of these patients have chronic vulvar pain. And one out of every four women 
or females with uh, female uh, persons with female genitalia also suffer from pelvic floor dysfunction. So the overlap is quite a lot. And then the overlap for endometriosis as well. It used to be called the evil twins or still is called the multiple pain generators. I do wanna change that terminology and as Sally so, art so articulates about changing the narrative, that is a narrative that we should try to change. Yes, they are, they go hand in hand. I don't like the word evil, but they do go together with uh, interstitial cystitis and painful bladder syndrome, as well as vulvodynia and then the septuplets, which Paul Perry in 2005 talked about at an International Pelvic Pain Society meeting, stated that the septuplets are endo, IC, pelvic congestion, vulva, vulva vestibulitis, now vulvodynia and vestibulodynia, pelvic floor tension, myalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, and fibromyalgia. And this continues, and there are more studies on it, but I just thought it interesting way back then that a gynecologist, and I was happy that a gynecologist brought this up at a meeting because it's still not talked about enough, how much there is overlap, but also how much we can do for these patients. So let's review vulvodynia, the terminology. It has changed. So you'll three, see throughout the literature that it's called vestibulitis, it's called vestibulodynia, it's called, um, now it's called localized and generalized. So localized would be provoked or unprovoked. So provoke being, if you look at the Q-tip test, that is a test that we do as physical therapists as well as all gynecologists should be doing it for anyone that's suffering from endometriosis and vulvodynia because sometimes the patient that has endometriosis doesn't even realize that they have vulvodynia. So very important to uh, look at the whole body and diagnose, see if there is any vulvodynia with the patient. So provoked vulvodynia is when you just palpate on the area and I have my little model here, you palpate on the area and it, um, it only reproduces pain when when it's touched. So with the Q-tip, it actually is it can be really sharp. It can be scratchy. It could be like a burning feeling. Then under provoked vestibulodynia, there's also primary and secondary. Primary is that it started from day one. So as soon as they used a tampon or a speculum when they were younger, it was painful. So always having pain. Secondary is they had a period of time where it wasn't painful, but now it is painful. So differentiating between what the specific diagnosis underneath vulvodynia is, is really important. Then there's unprovoked vestibulodynia, which is um, that it just hurts from anything. It hurts from sitting, from anything that you can think of, but it's, it's localized to the vestibular area, which I'll go over in a minute, the anatomy. Generalized vulvodynia is more where it's, they have pain in the vaginal area, but it's spread out. So it's in, it refers into the hip or the abdomen or the back. Within generalized, there's provoked and there's unprovoked. So going back to the localized, provoked is more you palpate the area and it refers to another area in the body or it refers into deeper into the vaginal canal. 
unprovoked is they just feel it at any time. And if they could feel it in the vaginal area, they can feel it into their hips, into their back. So understanding the difference between the terminology is really important, really important for healthcare providers as well as for patients. Then there are also patients that can have both. There's also what's called clitorodynia, and that can also be localized to the clitoral area, which is at the top of the, um, the perineum. And then there could be clitorodynia that refers out. So refers down like into the rectal area, refers into the abdomen or into the hip. The picture at the bottom is also a picture of, oh, I think I can use this. Can you see that, Sally? Yes. Okay, good. The picture at the bottom is a picture of common endometrial growth areas. It's not the only ones, because as we know, you can get it into the nasal passage and all the way down to um, into, the, into the legs. Um, but the this particular photo is showing common areas. And I point it out because if there's a restriction, say in this area, then that's going to create or can create deep vulvodynia or deep vaginal pain. And that's something that obviously we need to address the endometriosis, but it can also affect the muscles and the tissues and the nerves around that area. So really important to get a proper diagnosis for vulvodynia. A, a physical therapist can help with that diagnosis or, and or finding a gynecologist that, can also, that also specializes in vulvodynia. So a little bit of the anatomy. So the clitoral area is at the top here. So you could have the clitorodynia that I mentioned before, and it could be local or referred out. Then you have the vulvar area, the labia area. The labia minora is, is where the, um, so the vestibules within the labia minora, because you have majora and minora. This is the vestibular area. So again, you could have localized vestibulodynia, and that means it's just pain in this area. You can have provoked vestibulodynia, and it can only be at the bottom. That commonly is um, an area that gets, that you'll find muscles are involved when it's just pain at the bottom. When it's the pain all the way around, that's the primary vestibulodynia. So you've had it your whole life. There's a neuroproliferative, uh, issue going on with the tissues and it, it can be addressed capsaicin or through surgery. We try to always avoid the surgery, but in some cases surgery is necessary. And um, so again, the, if there's just pain more at the bottom of the vestibular area or the vaginal region in general, then typically that's more of a muscular issue. And that's where physical therapy is really important. A little bit more about the anatomy of the muscles, and I'm going to go through this briefly because I know there's a bunch of other wonderful presentations talking about the pelvic floor. So connects from the pubic bone in the front to the tailbone and back. So it surrounds, surrounds the urethra, vaginal opening, um, and anorectal opening, and it helps with bladder, bowel, sexual function. 
This is another picture of the muscles. So again, going to how the muscles can get involved. So if it's more of superficial muscles here or the urogenital triangle, that commonly causes more the, vestibu the vestibulodynia or more the localized uh, pain to the vulvar area. The deep muscles, the levator ani muscles seen here, that typically causes more of the deep penetrative pain that a patient complain, can complain of. And you can have both. So again, if there's any endometrial growths within these areas that are pulling on the muscles or the tissue, it can cause pain with penetration, vulvodynia, as well as vestibulodynia. More muscles, so there's not, those aren't just the, the only muscles. There's muscles on the sidewalls here that help with hip rotation. So that's also another important thing that I'm gonna talk about in a little bit, that the hip can also be involved in vulvodynia. Um, and you can also have a patient with endometriosis. So really making sure that you differentially diagnose is, is really important so that you can see where, what the primary driver is and address those issues. So some of these hip rotators, there's nerves coming out of there too. So that can be a cause of some nerve pain or nerve irritation. And then the coccygeus also the, uh, connects to the tailbone, that can be an area of pain and can help, can contribute to vulvodynia. Then there's the fascia. Fascia is important as well, and it's not talked about enough. And with endometriosis, it's a big part of, um, it can be a big part of a patient's pain that they're experiencing. So this is healthy fascia. So straighter lines more and move easily, um, move with the muscle. So um, healthier in general, this photo is showing healthy fascia. This photo is showing restricted fascia. So what happens is it causes restrictions in movement of the muscle and the tissue. It can cause the restricted restrictions in the vaginal canal, making that pain with penetration. This is a common thing that we also see in endometriosis because of the, of the fascia gets pulled from the endometrial implants. The nerve, nerves of the pelvic floor can also be involved. So this is just one of the nerves of the pelvic floor, but I do like this uh, image, which is why I'm showing. It, it really shows how the pudendal nerve innervates. It is, there's three branches. So it's showing how it innervates up into the clitoral area, the perennial area, and the rectal area. So you can have irritation in one of these areas or all the above. Again, you could have the localized vestibulodynia that some patients are experiencing, or you can have the generalized, which is more widespread. And you could see why, because if this, if the, the whole pudendal nerve is irritated, then it can cause pain throughout the whole uh, perineum and vulvar uh, and anal rectal area. Another photo of where where the nerves run. So here's the nerves, how they, um, how they spread throughout the body or they their patterns, the nerve patterns and where they go. And 
the sensory patterns are here in the different colors. And you could see all these different nerves here, how many nerves there are that can contribute to abdominal pelvic pain. The picture on the left is showing common surgical sites. So if there, if someone's had a surgery and has a surgery site here and there's scar tissue there, it could really impede the tissue, it can impede the nerves in this area, and it can cause referred pain into the leg, into the abdomen, into the pelvic region. And then the photo to the right is showing also how there's such an overlap in these nerves. So yes, pudendal nerve is here, but posterior femoral cutaneous nerve is here and they overlap. So it's really, again, understanding the nerves and how the nerves travel in the body can help with a differential diagnosis of where your pain is originating from. So with vulvodynia, is it nerve? Is it fascia? Is it muscle? Is it infection? Is it hormonal? Great questions. Definitely need to differentially diagnose. As a PT, we look at the tissues, but we don't diagnose whether there's a, a hormonal imbalance. That's where the gynecologists come into play. So if we see that in a patient, we'll refer out or if we suspect there's a hormonal component to the patient's condition, then we'll also refer out for that. But it can be very confusing. It can be mistaken for a yeast infection. So we see this commonly in our patients where they, they have itching and they're uncomfortable in the vulvar area and they think they have a yeast infection. They have increased discharge and burning, but yet it's actually a nerve issue or it's fascia or it's muscle. We see patients that think they have a UTI and they think that they're, they have an infection, but yet the test shows a negative result. It could be, again, the muscles, the tissues, the nerves that are irritating the bladder, around the bladder, or the urethra, around the urethra and causing an itching, burning feeling. And then with rectal pain, we see this all the time as PTs. I think it's my hemorrhoid. Well, it could be, it could be, but it could also just be referred pain. Going back, back to that image before, you could see how many nerves are in the rectal area that can cause issues. And the, the slide before showed all the muscles in that area. So differential diagnosis, again, really important. But there's more than just a floor. Um, there's more than the pelvic floor. There are other muscles in the area that can refer pain into the abdominal region, into the vulvar region, into the pubic region. So it's really important to assess all the surrounding muscles as well. And then the ligaments in the area can also cause uh, restrictions, especially the ligaments in where the pudendal nerve comes out of and the posterior femoral cutaneous nerve. Uh, the sciatic nerve is a little bit more lateral, but these that this is an area of common restriction uh, and the ligaments can get more taut if, if there's an imbalance in the pelvic region, the SI region, one side could be a little more um, taut than the other because there's an imbalance. So it can be compressing a nerve in this area. So again, looking at the whole body, really important. And then there's the hip. The muscles of the hip can cause issues. The ligaments in the hip can cause some referred pain into the vaginal area and into the abdominal area.
quick anatomy again of the pelvic floor. So what is the function of the pelvic floor? It's supportive in nature. So it helps support the abdominal pelvic organs. It's sphincteric in nature. So it helps control continence and it assists in sexual arousal and performance as well as core stability and mobility. The pelvic floor is a part of your core. So if there's an imbalance in the back, if there's an imbalance in the abdomen because of previous surgeries, it can put more stress on the pelvic floor and cause more tightening of the pelvic floor. So pelvic floor dysfunction, again, because of where the pelvic floor muscles, tissues and nerves surround, it can cause bladder, bowel, sexual dysfunction or abdominal pelvic pain. From that, it can be an overactive condition or it can be an underactive condition with the pelvic floor. So vulvodynia falls under the overactive condition. Endometriosis typically falls mostly under the overactive condition where the muscles are too tight or restricted or the nerves are irritated causing tightness in the muscle. So that's what the focus of this talk is about, is more the overactive. Underactive is more when you leak from coughing, seizing, laughing. So other overactive conditions, again, you see at the top, the vulvodynia, vestibulodynia, endometriosis obviously can cause overactive conditions. And then you have all these other conditions that can contribute to each other. So really, again, addressing these other conditions is important and not just addressing, if it is endometriosis, not just addressing the endometriosis. Or if it's vulvodynia, is there endometriosis that the patient has that's contributing to their symptoms? Wanted to go over quickly just symptoms of bladder bowel dysfunction so that everyone is aware that these are symptoms that we see with our patients that have overactive pelvic floor issues. So bladder and bowel frequency, urgency, retention, incomplete emptying, bladder urethral burning pain pressure. That's because the muscles and the tissues, they're so taut that they're not allowing the bladder to empty fully. They're not allowing the bowel to empty fully. So then with the bowel, it can cause constipation, increased gas and bloating. So again, really important to understand how the muscles and tissues can affect bladder and bowel function. And also, is, is the muscle, is the patient relaxing the muscles appropriately? Or what we see in some patients, we tell them to relax the muscles and they actually contract it. So a paradoxical contraction. So we have to retrain the patient how to relax those, those muscles. Signs and symptoms of sexual dysfunction. And here is where the vulvodynia really comes into play, where we see superficial pain. So again, this vestibulodynia pain and because of the muscles in the more superficial part are being restricted as well as the deep pain. So the muscles in the deep part of the pelvic floor are restricted or tight or there's trigger points. And that can cause, burning is one of the most common symptoms that patients say, sharp shooting, stabbing, tearing feeling because the fascia's too taut, aching, dull, nails, raw, rawness, as well as it can affect libido and sexual response. 
so the vicious cycle, we have to figure out the primary driver of what's causing their symptoms. Is it the endo that's pulling on the muscles of the pelvic floor, causing restriction so that when the patient does try to have any pe penetration, it's painful because the muscles and tissues aren't moving? Is it because of the patient's holding because they've been in pain so, for so long that now they're holding their pelvic floor muscles as well as their abdominal wall because of the endometriosis. Figuring out what's going on with the patient and addressing the any scar tissue that they may have to help with mobility of the tissues, muscles, nerves, which can result in helping the pain and the weakness and also addressing any emotional and nutritional. That's a whole other topic that Sally has in store for everyone. So what is the etiology of, of your pain of what's going on? That's not always easy to, to tell. We do have to, we try to look at everything that's gone on with our patients, but some have had a history when they were younger of going to the bathroom all the time, or they started having the menstrual pain at such a young age that it was started to cause tension in the abdominal area and the pelvic region. So really, so typically it's multifactorial. It's hard to tell exactly what the cause was or what's causing some of their pain. But the important thing is now we can help diagnose it with the patient and we can help treat it. Uh, I do wanna stress with the vulvodynia that if there is a hormonal component that that needs to be addressed. If there's any stress that's continuing, that needs to be addressed. And if there's any autoimmune disorders. So a PT has to really investigate. They have to look at what is it, what's going on. Again, is it nerve? Is it muscle? Is it the deep muscles? Is it a hip issue? Is it an abdominal issue that's affecting the pelvic floor? And then the other question is, sorry, going back to that other one, is it visceral pain that's referring to the muscle? So the, that viscerosomatic reflex or is it muscle pain referring to the viscera, the somatovisceral reflex? So the evaluation as a PT, the history is really important. That can help us also, even before we palpate any of the muscles of the patient, um, and some patients it's too painful to assess the vaginal area. So even just asking the questions of where is your pain what causes it, what increases it, what decreases it, that can give us a lot of information from where we think the pain is coming from. So really important to take a very thorough history. Also, have they had sort of endometrius uh, and surgery? Was it ablation? Was it excision? All these, all this history can help us to differentially diagnose even in our heads before we do any palpation or objective assessment to, to tell what's going on with the patient. But obviously the evaluation and looking at the patient extremely important as well. So looking at alignment, looking at the joints of the pelvic, lumbo, sacral region, the hip region, then the manual therapy, what that consists of is helping to reduce restrictions in the muscles and the tissues helps with visceral mobilization, helps 
reduce inflammation and increase blood flow. And we also want to look at the function of the patients and what we're doing in the physical therapy session, how it flows into their daily routine. So are they having pain with sitting? Do we need to work on posture? Those types of things. Do we need to help with pain management or guide them towards another physician to help with pain management? So as a PT, again, we look at alignment of the SI joint, the hip joint, we look at the sacrum, we look at the abdominal wall, we assess the abdominal muscles and tissues for restrictions and any pain when we touch the specific muscles or the organs and try to differentially diagnose what is contributing and or causing their pain. This is just an example of some of the external uh, manual techniques that we do as a PT. It's only one example of so many things. There's a lot in our toolboxes that we can help patients with, but there's skin, skin rolling that can help in the vaginal area to help with vulva, vulvar pain or vulvodynia. And then there's also trigger point therapy that you could do externally. So if a patient has too much pain with any type of palpation, palpation to the vulvar area, we could do quite a bit externally to start with, as well as, uh, I think I mentioned later on, biofeedback. That's another thing that PTs can do to help with um, pain regulation. I always show this photo because I always want to remind our patients that there's uh, so many trigger points uh, throughout the body that can contribute to what some patients think is endometriosis pain or vulvodynia or irritable bowel syndrome. And it's really important to assess these muscles. I'm showing that this is just one of the muscles, the iliopsoas, and I show this a lot because it refers right into where some of the patients think they are having ovary pain. Yes, important to get it checked out to make sure there's nothing going on with the actual organs. But if everything is clear, then it could be that one particular muscle, and it's a big muscle, can refer to the ovary, or some of the muscles can refer to the uterus or to the vulvar area causing vulvodynia. And then this is just another example of areas of the pelvic floor that can refer into the tailbone, into the sacrum, and into the leg. So as a PT, we do look at how the skin looks, especially with vulvodynia. Do we see any uh, whiteness or hormonal issues that could be going on? Is there a skin condition that's going on like, like in sclerosis, like in planus? Very important to differentially diagnose that because if, if those aren't being addressed, then that whole vicious cycle keeps going. We also look at scar tissue, uh, nerve mobility. We look at the superficial urogenital triangle, which I showed earlier, which, is the, which are these muscles here. And then we also look at the deeper muscles, which are the um, deeper pelvic floor. And in this photo, it's showing how you really have to palpate from origin to insertion to see what's happening with the muscles. Is that part of their vulvodynia pain too? So that's really important to see if it's a contributing factor to their pain. We need to 
do the manual therapy externally as well as internally, also giving the patient a home program. As Sally knows, I'm so into home programs. It's so important because seeing us once or twice a week is, is great, but what are you doing the rest of the week at home? Are you slouching and putting more tension on the tailbone and the pelvic floor? Are you, because of the abdominal pain or the period pain, are you crunched up in a ball a lot and not allowing those muscles to stretch and, and relax? Um, so we give, a home program is really important for, for all of our patients. Biofeedback is something that we do, and by the way, this look, does look a little scary. <laughs> there are smaller ones. And you can also just do mirror biofeedback or have the patient palpate the pelvic floor themselves and see, are they tensing the muscles? Are, are the muscles relaxed? So definitely something that's important to have in as part of the PT treatment, but it's not the only thing that should be done. Biofeedback is part of the, of the treatment plan, not the only one only plan. So for our vulvodynia patients, we will do want to make sure the patient is able to relax the muscles. So working on relaxation techniques and down training of the pelvic floor, teaching the patient not to strain with bowel movements, and also that Kegels, yes, it brings blood flow to the area, but it also shortens the muscles even further. So we want to have our overactive patients avoid Kegels at least until those muscles get lengthened and uh, pain-free. We do teach the patient various stretches. It, we do find that it's specific patient to patient as well as pain-free strengthening. Again, going back to that core, we wanna make sure that the core is as balanced as we can get it to be. So if the abdominal muscle muscles are weak, we want to go through a pain-free strengthening program when the time is right. Um, if any strengthening is increasing their pain, communicating with your PT and letting them know is really important because we don't want to increase anyone's pain. We want to stabilize the core, but we don't want to increase the pain at the same time. Also assessing for a diastasis recti or separation of the abdominal wall and addressing that as well is really important. Regarding the bladder bowel retraining, I always love this Bristol Soul Scale because I can't tell you how many patients, they don't realize that a type one is constipation. Um, they would realize that type seven is more uh, diarrhea, but the type one and type two, that is still constipation. So that means we need to address that to help take this pressure off the pelvic floor, off the abdominal wall. So making sure that the patient is aware of any dietary changes that need to happen, increasing water take, because a lot of patients, because of the bladder issues, they don't drink enough. So they end up, they end up getting dehydrated. Um, and then that the dehydration contributes to constipation. So making sure that we talk to the patients about various bladder and bowel retraining techniques not going to the bathroom just in case. Again, not straining, not breath holding. All these things can help to take the pressure and stress off of the pelvic floor and the abdominal wall. 
as well, behavioral modifications. So that is uh, Corey. She is a co-owner of Downtown. This was Halloween a couple of years ago. So squatty potty, really important. I honestly think all kids should have squatty potties too. So um, I'm a big fan. It doesn't have to be the squatty potty too. I have no affiliation with squatty potty, but because there's other ones out there, but just something that elevates your feet so that your knees are above uh, your hips. That helps to open up the pelvic floor. Using various cushions, if sitting is a problem, if you're, if you're experiencing back pain, using back cushions, standing frequently, getting a standing desk, also making sure you are doing cardio. And I have so many patients that have endometriosis that just say they can't do the cardio. So what I say is, first of all, do the best you can. On days that you are feeling better, if you know that mornings are better, just even a five minute, 10 minute walk. And then in the afternoon, if you've been resting and you feel like, okay, I could do a five, 10 minute yoga series, just whatever you could do to get moving and to get the blood flowing is really important. And then the home exercise. So having your props, doing the massages, I'm showing my shoulder because, uh, doing the abdominal massage, <laughs> really important. Um, working with your PT on what specifically you, you, need, you need because it can get overwhelming too. There's so many things you can do, but what do I do? So that's really where the PT is important because using all these different modalities doing a shoulder massage even can be helpful, but trying to figure out what you're going to commit to, so what you like doing best, yoga, meditation, developing your own program is really important. Also, if you are having a flare, what to do, and if you're experiencing pain with sexual activity, I, the next slide, I think, is an example of um, different positions. So talking to your PT about different positions that may decrease pain, decrease sensitivity, depending on where your pain is. Is it back pain? Is it vulvodynia? Is it superficial vulvar pain, deep vulvar pain? Working with the PT on different positioning can, can be really helpful for the patient. Also, certain products like the O-Nut can be really helpful as well. Using cer certain lubrications, really important. And then learning what positions are helpful when you are experiencing more pain. I like the, this, the child pose with the pillows because it does help open up the pelvic floor. It also helps relax the entire back area, but there's other poses that you may like better, like um, happy baby or various poses that are standing. So really, again, figuring out what works best for you and having that in your own toolbox. And then the research. So some of this is older research. So you'll see, again, the terminology was different. Vestibulitis, dysesthetic vulvodynia. I haven't heard that in years. Um, but just knowing that the PT can be really effective for vulvar pain, for sexual dysfunction and, and pain, um, for decreasing um, pain with any penetration, also helping to increase desire and arousal, again, going back to how the muscles function in the pelvic region. 
And then knowing that it's not just biofeedback, that there's so many other tools in our toolbox that we can use to help with your specific condition. Long-term effects also of physical therapy were, have been very positive. There haven't been a, hasn't been a lot of research out there, but, and we do need more, but this research that, um, most of the research that you find is showing that physical therapy is helpful for the musculoskeletal components of endometriosis and vulvodynia and irritable bowel syndrome and all these other diagnoses. So I do tell my patients, please, please get off the internet or do things like look at the endo summit, look at different things that you know that there are, are answers to and positive answers because there's a lot on the internet. There's so much misinformation that I really encourage patients to look at the sites and the social media that has the correct information and also positive information. So changing, as Sally says, the narrative because positive thinking and positive talk can really be helpful as well. So to sum up, it, for vulvodynia, for endometriosis, for irritable bowel, for fibromyalgia, it is a multidisciplinary approach. Not all healthcare providers do know how to diagnose abdominal pelvic floor dysfunction. So sometimes you have to go back to your healthcare provider and try to try to find another healthcare provider or a pelvic floor physical therapist that has experience in endometriosis and vulvodynia. They can also help guide you towards a physician if you are in need of a physician. Another thing is that a lot, some doctors don't prioritize um, the musculoskeletal system. So they may not know or realize that you pelvic floor PT could help that, can help you a lot with your pain and your symptoms. Bladder, bowel, sexual dysfunction usually, uh, when it comes to the musculoskeletal system, does require pelvic floor physical therapy. And noting that treatment does take time. It takes time, as we've mentioned before, for endometriosis. It takes time for vulvodynia. But as long as you're seeing some improvement within a certain amount of weeks, I say to my patients, even within three to four weeks, you should see some positive change. It may be small, but that means that we're headed in the right direction. And that means that physical therapy can be helpful for you. If, it, if you don't see a change at all, talk to your physical therapist first. If you still don't see a change, then you may need to get a second opinion. Another reminder, no straining, no Kegels with the overactive pelvic floor and the vulvodynia. And also know that if your symptoms do reproduce with the physical therapy or with any of the home program, that usually reinforces the need for physical therapy. But speak to your physical therapist about that because you don't wanna keep that pain cycle going. So letting them know that, hey, um, that particular exercise increased my pain. Okay, let's modify it. If that still doesn't work, then um, you may just need to switch your home program or that specific stretch or massage. So that's it. Thank you, Sally and the Endo Summit for a great, uh, as always, summit. And I look forward to seeing you all in person next year. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care.